the show this is the adf underground brought to you by all day football what's up y'all i am your host chris they call me chouse what's going on what's happening happy thanksgiving to all we got three games on the docket to discuss today as we discussed last week this is a programming change we will not be here with a sunday broadcast discussing uh the recap of week 13 However, we wanted to still get involved and and drop a pod for you for this week. So we'll start with the Thanksgiving contest. Obviously, no more bye weeks as we have entered into week 13. And we had three games on the Thanksgiving Turkey Day slate. And I was actually really excited to to witness and watch these games because, I mean, the first one, we we had some uh, late news I believe it was Tuesday, Wednesday, I believe, we had news that Jeff Driscoll was not going to play in the Bears-Detroit Lions first contest on the board. So taking over the reins in this contest was the undrafted rookie free agent David Blau. And I mean, what was the expectation for Blau to come into this game and do much of anything? I mean, he hadn't really had the practice reps the entire week I heard they were splitting with Driscoll uh, all the practice reps it, it is a short week so what was f- the expectation that we would have expected from him to perform so the spread came in this contest early I believe it was a minus three uh, it ended up closing uh, as a touchdown spread six points but we were we managed to get it as a three-pointer but I mean when you, when you looked at this 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 contest thinking that the bears who have so much to prove so much on the line still in this season how could you expect a third string undrafted quarterback come come to play against this this bears defense who still can make things happen i mean even though they have been struggling of late and pretty much for uh, the the middle part of the season is where you start to see their 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 transition uh, move toward a negative trait. But David Blau came to play today. So the Bears started fast. Mitchell Trubisky hit his receiver, hit Allen Robinson in the end zone on a fantastic opening drive. I mean, there was nothing the Lions defense could do. But right away, right off the bat, Blau finds Kenny Galladay on a 75-yard touchdown strike. And it completely took the wind out of the sails for the Chicago Bears on both sides of the ball. You saw... A defense who really couldn't get things done. They were very much confused. And this was something that I I was watching and I couldn't understand how the coaching staff couldn't realize just blitz this young quarterback. They were allowing him to stand in that pocket, roll out of the pocket. Pressure was not there. Khalil Mack was nearly invisible for most of the game. So, I mean, you needed to bring the heat. And, I mean, they figured it out late in the fourth quarter and then the second half. You saw the changeover in the second half by the Bears where their defense did adjust, and it was almost too late. I mean, the Lions were in this contest for basically the entire game until the end where the Bears finally, with David Montgomery, got that last touchdown to pull ahead 24-20. And, I mean, that's how the game ended. But when you look at this contest, 
I mean, the fantasy football implication was huge. We definitely was were recommending the sits of Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, and they both found the end zone today. We did like the play of Bo Scarborough only because he was supposed to be volume uh, specific because we really didn't believe that the Lions would trust Bra- uh, Blau to do anything special. But uh, we were definitely wrong. And, I mean, the process for us to make these recommendations were there. But we'll admit, when we're wrong, we're wrong. And, and we definitely got side uh, took a sidestep on that one. However, when we look at this contest and you see that the Detroit Lions, they're 3-8 and eight now, 3-8-1. and one. Their playoff hopes are are over. And, I mean, without Matthew Stafford, they were discussing putting Stafford on IR. And, I mean, it, it should be a, of no consequence now. He should be on the IR after this. There's, there's no reason for him to return with the broken bones in his back. And, I mean, when you look at the Bears, they, they climb back to 6-6 six and six at 500. But what are the Bears at this point? I mean, the offense still really isn't getting it done. Mitchell Trubisky turned a sw- uh, flipped a switch in that fourth quarter where he had, I believe, three or four really sound big boy throws to his receivers. I believe Anthony Miller caught one. Uh, Allen Robinson caught another one. I believe, no, sorry, Anthony Miller, I believe, caught two of those. And they were dimes, man. They just dropped right in his bread basket, and they were perfect throws. So I'm sitting there wondering where the heck has this been from Trubisky the entire season? My other issue with this Bears offense is the continuing lack of running the ball. 16 carries for David Montgomery. At one point, he had a 5.3 or 5.4 yards per carry. He finished with 4.7. He's getting it done on the ground. Use the man to set up Trubisky so he doesn't have to throw that 40 times a game. He threw 38 times today. I think that is poor coaching on Matt Nagy. Again, you've heard it before in our show's As we've mentioned, I think when you have a young quarterback who is struggling, you need to help prolong and and help expedite his confidence and his learning by supporting it with the ground game. David Montgomery, to me, and and this was the other caveat. So this offensive line uh, really disappointed me because anytime Montgomery had a big play, it was always being called back on a hold or a block in the back or whatnot. And, and, and this is something that the Bears really desperately need to clean up because whenever you're getting, maybe, maybe it's not even Nagy having no faith in Montgomery. I believe he's, he doesn't have faith in his offensive line to make those blocks uh, without, without drawing a penalty uh, because then it's a wasted play. And then now you're, you're, you're set back 10 more yards. So you're starting instead of first and 10, you're starting uh, first and 20. And, and now you're forcing Trubisky to, to dig your team out of a, a, a big hole right off the bat. So, I mean, it's 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 a lot of of issues right now for the Chicago Bears. They're definitely not the same team that went 12 and 4 last season. They still will struggle to find their way into the wild card race with uh Minnesota and Green Bay uh taking taking the reins on that one. Um uh, I I just I I don't see three teams coming out of any division in the NFC as as competitive as it is. So so they're going to really need some help along the way, and they're going to have to win out to have any shot. So their next four games, they're definitely going to have to win. And like we said, I mean, Trubisky wasn't terrible today. He finished strong. He started strong. He was he was weak in the middle, and then he finished strong to, to get the win. So 
I mean, the schedule is quite favorable. Anthony Miller, he had the day today. He was your guy. Nine receptions, 140 yards. Like I said, Allen Robinson pitched in with eight catches, 86 yards, and one touchdown. He had a solid day as well. This one cat, uh, Javon Wims, he, to me, he is a big-bodied receiver. And, I mean, the struggles that the Bears have at the tight end position, if you can upgrade Wims' blocking ability, I mean, there there's a there could be a conversation to be had to say that you could convert him into a tight end. Um, he'd obviously have to put on some more weight and improve his blocking ability. But, I mean, if, if, if I'm the Bears, I mean, that's a conversation I would definitely have in our room. But, nevertheless, the Bears win the first contest on the board. It wasn't overly exciting till late. I mean, there was some big plays that did happen, which which lifted the excitement level. But it was a, it was a decent game overall. But let's move right along to the mid-game, the middle game of the Turkey Day Fest. The Buffalo Bills traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. So this contest, I was extremely excited to see. Obviously, y'all know that it's uh, Bills Mafia support over here at ADF, the ADF Underground. But, I mean, we're unbiased. Like I said, we want to evaluate every player appropriately. But, I mean, as a fan, to watch this contest the way it unfolded, it was it was definitely something special. So the Cowboys were favored in this contest by a touchdown. And, I mean, I thought Vegas was a little bit um, excessive with that spread. The Buffalo Bills are coming into this contest at 8-3. and three. Granted, I understand their schedule hasn't been overly abundant with with high-end talent but I mean this is the NFL if you are an eight and three club going into week 13 I mean give them a little bit more respect granted it was on the road I get it you're playing in Dallas on Thanksgiving it's gonna be a difficult test but I mean I think it would have warranted a 2.5 or even a two-point spread favoring the Cowboys that would have been more acceptable so the thing is with the Bills so what we've discussed this entire time is that their defense is very solid. I mean, they've had issues stopping the run, but over the past three games, we've witnessed a, a great deal of adjustment by uh, by the coaching staff to improve the run stopping, and it's been working. I mean, you saw times where Zeke Elliott, he had runs, but I mean, for the most part, he was he was quite locked down. And I mean, he, he carried the ball 12 times for 71 yards and 5.9 per carry but he did have a lot of big big runs so the other thing was I couldn't understand why they stopped running the ball so again this has been Dallas's issue the entire season why are you not feeding Zeke Elliott as your workhorse you set up the play action through him this is how your offense has been working how it's been running and you've been efficient in doing it so Buffalo really tightened up after that opening drive, Dallas looked like this game could have been a, a a route early as they they too drove with their first 15 plays, their scripted plays, and they scored. I mean, they used less than 15 plays, but they scored very fast. And you really thought, okay, Vegas had this right because they they scored within the first five minutes of the game. It was a Jason Witten touchdown from Dak Prescott. But credit to the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They looked extremely solid today offensively, and I think that is the biggest key in this contest. We have we were great supporters of the Dallas Cowboys defense entering the season. I really believed they would become a unit that would be a force 
and and teams would really struggle to to move the ball on them. As the year has moved on, they have looked worse and worse week to week. And Josh Allen exposed them today. Cole Beasley revenge game. He was the guy. We definitely were recommending Cole Beasley to play this week. Only because it was a revenge game. I mean, he's coming back to Dallas. He's definitely going to want to perform. And the Bills also had to pull out a couple trick or uh, that one trick play that they did where uh, John Brown threw the football to the end zone for uh, Devin uh, Singletary and he scored. So, I mean, that was a huge turning point in this game as well. It definitely pulled momentum. The Bills ended up taking the lead and they never looked back after that. Cole Beasley got that first touchdown. Then it was a Singletary touchdown. And, and Dallas really couldn't do much offensively whatsoever. Dak Prescott turned the ball over under immense pressure. Ed Oliver was an absolute beast today. He he stood out a lot to me. I have been waiting for him to have a coming out party uh, to show what he really is, to be warranting that that I believe it was the seventh overall pick in, in this year, this past year's draft. And I mean, this is this is the type of player that you want. He is a game wrecker. He has all the athletic ability to do it, and he proved it today. Dak was under duress for most of the game, so I didn't like it at the beginning. the The ref seemed a little bit one sided towards the Cowboys, uh, doing a doing some calls that were very suspect, especially against uh, Tre'Davious White. If you've if you've seen Trey White play this season, I mean, he has been spectacular. He has been locked down. And they were picking on him early, which I found to be uh, confusing. Granted, I understand you wanted to get Amari Cooper the ball and 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 force the issue. But, I mean, moving him around, they, they tried to move Cooper around a little bit after that. And, I mean, it was working to some degree. But you, Trey White is is your guy on this Bills defense. He he is he is unbelievable. I mean, Cooper still finished with eight catches for 85 yards, but he was moving around that line. And, I mean, what, what else can you say about the Buffalo Bills? They walk into Dallas and they steal one in prime time on the public stage. And, and, and what are my opinions for the Bills moving forward? I mean, here's the schedule. Here's the ladder. You have a very difficult schedule coming up. You play the Ravens next week. You still have New England. You got Pittsburgh, and then you got the Jets. So, I mean, you have winnable games against Pittsburgh and New York, even New England. I mean, the way that Tom Brady and this offense is playing, you you might, I, I, and I say that with a lot of grain of salt, I mean, you might be able to walk into Foxborough and steal one there. That is a little bit tougher of a test. I mean, New England just knows how to win at home. But, I mean, at 9-3, and three, you, you basically, in this wild card race in the AFC, you only need one more victory, and you're basically locking it up for that wild card, and you're going to the playoffs. So, again, you just want to continue to see growth if you're Buffalo. I still believe they are they are maybe four or five more players with higher-end talent away from being a contender, quote-unquote. Um, and maybe it's, it's, it's more than just a year away. Maybe it's two years away. But they, they definitely require more edge rushing. I mean, Jerry Hughes is, is being double-teamed, and he's struggling to get to the quarterback most times. So adding edge rushing presence would be great. Adding another defensive back for depth would be fantastic for this club. I would like to see another linebacker. I mean, nothing against Matt Milano. He's he's all over the field all the time. He's making plays. But I would like to see a more stout uh, uh, linebacker and, and possibly switch over to that three four if if possible. But I mean, Leslie Fra- Frazier. I don't. He's he he likes the four three more. 
Um, but but like I said, and then getting a top end wide receiver for the Bills, like a true wide receiver one. John Brown has played spectacular this year, no question. Um, but you really want to get that that top wide receiver one, and I mean potentially the draft this year coming up in 2020, they could get that. But I really like what I see from the Buffalo Bills. Um, the progression has been steady the entire season. It's been consistent. When they've lost, I mean they've lost. But when they're winning, they're finding ways to win. They're grinding these games out. They're coming back in the fourth quarter. They've won so many. Uh, they've won these games in so many different ways that you can tell, man. Good good teams need to learn how to win, and this is the first step in that progression. And I think Buffalo could be so long as Josh Allen continues to move forward with his his gameplay and his progression himself. I believe the Bills could have a very sound squad for for a number of years. But they beat Dallas in Dallas. Final score was twenty six to fifteen. Good good game by the Bills. A big letdown for the Cowboys. Now they are six and six. Still funny enough, lead the division uh, upon what the Philadelphia Eagles do on Sunday. So we will definitely see this. This division is is a two man race or a two team race at this point. And I mean, it, it it still is anybody's division. I mean, the Eagles face the Dolphins this week, and and that should be a win. So the Cowboys and the Eagles, based on I believe tiebreak. The Dallas Cowboys will still lead the division uh, as both teams will be six and six. So, good game for the Bills. Bills Mafia, you should be smiling. No more haters can come at you this week. So, moving along to the final contest of the day on Turkey Day, the New Orleans Saints taking their talents to Atlanta to face the Falcons. So, three weeks ago, the Atlanta Falcons shocked the world and dismantled the New Orleans Saints. And this had a negative effect on my outlook because I have been supportive of the New Orleans Saints to be one of the top Super Bowl contending teams in the NFC. And it's just simply because I believe they are that balanced. They have the depth. Uh, they, they're very, very well coached. They, their schemes are extremely sound. But I mean, since that contest, I mean, yes, they've won two others. But, I mean, something just doesn't seem to appear right with the New Orleans Saints on offense. Drew Brees, I mean, he played well today. So let's 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 go back to the game for a second before we start breaking them down. Drew Brees had a very good game today, and the problem was he was throwing the ball well. And good game, I mean, by he was placing the ball where it needed to be. Drops were the biggest concern today, biggest issue today. I mean, Michael Thomas had a drop. Uh, Jared Cook had two drops. Ted Ginn dropped one in the end zone. And I think Ted Ginn had another drop somewhere else on the on the field. And, I mean, Alvin Kamara had one. I, I don't know if you can really count it as a drop. Uh, Drew Brees led him over the middle of the field. And it was, it was not necessarily overthrown like the announcers were calling it. I, we've seen Kamara make that catch before. I think it was a great pass. So, I mean, that definitely stalled out the day. I think the Saints could have easily put up 35 to 42 points on the Falcons' defense in this one. But drop passes were the problem. Um, basically limiting Drew Brees' overall day. He only had 884 yards and one passing touchdown. But the biggest concern I see is Alvin Kamara. So the usage of Alvin Kamara, the yards gained by Alvin Kamara, I, I find to be very peculiar. 
So I I said last week and the week prior that I believe that Alvin Kamara must be dealing with some sort of injury, which is, is precluding him from gaining these high-end numbers that we're used to whenever he plays the game. I'm not convinced of that anymore. I really, truly believe he's struggling to be... And this is this is uh, this is an opinion at this point. I'm not going to say it's a fact, but I, I I think he's really struggling with that number one role without that solid number two. And I mean, in this contest, it was definitely evident that how much Mark Ingram meant to this run game, the the uh, thunder and and lightning, quote unquote nickname you can call them I mean Ingram was your bruiser Ingram took all the all the punishment up the up the middle and Camaro would come in as the the defense was beaten up and he would make big plays happen now that is not occurring and I think it really is taking a toll on how he's able to run the ball even so they're trying to get him involved in the pass game but the play calling in that respect I think is a little bit off I would like to see that cleaned up, and I think it will be. I mean, because moving moving towards the postseason, you're going to have to be firing on all cylinders. You definitely do not want to enter the playoffs looking as sluggish as they are because that will definitely give you a one-and-done um, or, or a maybe moving on to one game and then struggling to the next. But I really uh, am, am disencouraged by what I'm seeing from the Saints offensively. Their defense today is what won them this contest. I mean, the game overall was a dud uh, through the first four quarters, basically, until the, until the final stages where uh, the Atlanta Falcons actually made a game of this and made it made it a lot more interesting than it should have been. Um, but the, the Falcons got a touchdown from Russell Gage uh, with about three minutes left in the contest. And what happened was three straight onside kick recoveries from the Falcons. When do we see onside kicks get recovered by any team in the NFL these days? It just does not happen. So Ku, I believe, is their kicker. And he, Yang Ho Ku, yeah, that's his name. So he, he, the first kick he made, it was recovered, but it was pulled back on a flag because it was called offside on the Falcons. He kicked a second one. They got the ball back. That's when they scored that with Russell Gage. And they came back again and got another one to at least attempt to try to tie this game up down by eight points. Overall, the Saints defense shut it down. Turnovers were the key. Matt Ryan was a turnover machine. And I mean, can you really blame the guy? It came to the point I almost felt bad for the man. He fumbled the ball twice, lost one, threw two interceptions. He threw the ball 50 times today. Again, Devontae Freeman had a very difficult time running the ball and the late inactive so if you were lucky enough as a fantasy football owner to have seen it we tweeted it out as well Julio Jones was a late inactive game time decision he couldn't go because of the shoulder he said uh, he he definitely wanted to play in this contest but the coaching staff said no but I mean this was the big one I mean what do you really expect Matt Ryan to do Calvin Ridley did his best and then you have patch made players we still like Russell Gage I mean, uh, but this Christian Blake, I mean, he's he's definitely a no-namer at this point. You had uh, Justin Hardy. He chipped in as well. But, I mean, you don't have the same offensive dynamic that you would have with Julio Jones. 
So I mean the same, uh, uh, the Falcons. They they definitely attempted late, but I mean for the majority of the game, it was it was locked down. It was shut down, and and Cam Jordan finished it off. He had a monster day sack in the quarterback. Matt Ryan was sacked nine times today. So I mean that tells your story. The Saints win. And I mean, again, so here's the thing for good teams to just win contests. I mean, that's that's what you need to do. That's your pedigree. And good teams just find a way to win, even if even if no matter what it is. Uh, Obviously, offense on the Saints was terrible today. Uh, Special teams was even worse. And then the defense stepped up and got you the win. So Saints keep rolling. Saints are moving. They are the front runners in this division at 10 and 2. So, I mean, playoffs are bound, but you got to fix your inadequacy right now on the offensive side to make yourself a more high-octane, powerful unit like we have seen in the past. So, so a little bit something different on this show. We'll, we'll review some of the games that are coming up this week. Let's start off with the Redskins going to Carolina to face off against the Panthers. So, Panthers are still in this at 5-6. and six. Kyle Allen, Christian McCaffrey, and DJ Moore have been your studs. The spread is uh, right now, I believe Carolina is a minus 10. So, I mean, playing at home against the Washington Redskins and Dwayne Haskins, who has been a turnover machine so far as the starting quarterback for the Skins, I'm taking the points, I believe. I think Carolina is going to run away with this one. Kyle Allen has looked good. Christian McCaffrey is unstoppable. You can't really see any indication where... Uh, McCaffrey isn't going to have a fantastic day. Kyle Allen should again uh, be leaned upon. You could see easily 200 yards, 250 yards in that realm. One touchdown at least, uh, but Christian McCaffrey will be your guy. The Panthers will have enough on defense to get the win, and they need it. I mean, they're they're 5 and 6. They're still alive in the wild card hunt. So, this is this this contest here shouldn't be anything other than fantasy football related. I mean, I'm still believing that Darius Geis could be your guy uh, for fantasy football. You can check out our start sit list on Saturday. We will be posting that on all day football. But I mean, as of right now, when I look at the first indication, don't take it as Bible gospel, because right now I am saying I, I, I believe I would like to start Geis. The matchup is there. But, I mean, this game could get out of hand so quick that they're going to have to abandon the run. So maybe Terry McLaurin might be the better shot because garbage time points will be will be key. But in this contest, I don't think it's going to be much of anything. I think the Panthers will do enough to, to make this score in the 30s. Um, and then, like I said, garbage time points for the Redskins. So next contest on the board, the New York Jets taking travel to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. This is a very interesting contest because I believe, what is the spread? The spread is three and a half to four points. I like the spread taking the Jets, even traveling. So, I I mean, they're going, the Cincinnati Bengals are going back to Andy Dalton. They've, they've given up on the experiment. Obviously, the experiment was to lose uh, with Finley as their quarterback to secure that first overall pick. I believe they have a two-game lead now on securing the first overall pick in next year's draft. So going back to Andy Dalton is 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 a no-brainer. I mean, these are the contests I want to see all about fantasy football. The Jets are clearly out of this. Sam Darnold, though, has been playing extremely well. He was one of our top targets off the waiver for this week and next week. So if you have players like I have Drew Brees 
in uh, one of my leagues, and I was getting Sam Darnold wherever I can that I had Drew Brees only because Drew play and the Saints play the 49ers, and the way they're playing, he is very difficult to trust, and I believe the Jets are playing Miami next week. So that's a great matchup as well, just like this one is. And, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he's been involved more, which has been nice to see. I mean, the running and the uh, the receiving hasn't been what we had thought it would have been coming into this season. But, I mean, they are improving over the last two weeks to make it look like you actually could see something progressing in the form of statistical achievement, get more talent on this roster, and then continue to improve. The Bengals, they, they'll they try. I mean, Andy Dalton will come back with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, you could see Tyler Boyd and company, Joe Mixon actually having a decent day, but this Jets defense has also played very well. I like the Jets in this contest as of today. I will be dropping the points for picks if I didn't mention uh, also on Friday with this show. But I mean... At this point, I like the Jets to win this game straight up. We'll see what the spread comes to, uh, if I take them at three and a half or not. But I like the Jets this week over the Bengals. Next contest on the board for review, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. This is a very interesting contest. So the Colts are still favored at home without Marlon Mack. Yes, they had Jonathan Williams have a monster day uh, last Thursday night against the Texans. The, the, the spread right now is sitting at minus two and a half favoring the Colts. And I mean, I find this to be interesting because Ryan Tannehill has this Titans offense moving in the right direction. I have been a huge supporter of what Ryan Tannehill has been doing. He was my, my guy from the start of the season. Uh, like you all know, I've said it a number of times on this show. And he hasn't had a contest in fantasy football-wise and points scored under 20 points and he went over 30 last week and that to me so 20 points is almost becoming his floor so the one caveat here in this contest is Derrick Henry has tweaked his hamstring I believe it was midweek so he is a question mark to suit up in this contest and if he doesn't that changes the entire dynamic of this contest for the Titans they will have to roll with Deion Lewis I'm I, I really think that they would have to start passing the ball a lot more. So A.J. Brown would be a fantastic play, plug-and-play player. He's coming off a very sound game. So the Titans will have to be without, if they are if they are without Derrick Henry, we'll have to find and um, manufacture different ways to win this, win this game. And, I mean, the Colts, on the other hand, they're going to be without T.Y. Hilton. So, again, we saw this before when Hilton sat out. I mean, Zach Pascal is there. They Jacoby Brissett really struggles to find his receivers without the the use of that run game, and they're going to definitely use that run game again. So Naheem Hines, Jonathan Williams, and and Jordan Wilkins, if he does come back and suit up for this contest as well, you're going to see easily 30 carries between uh, uh, Jonathan Williams and Hines at least, at minimum. So it's going to be a run-heavy approach once again. Eric Ebron is no longer on the club, un, or uh, he went to injured reserve, excuse me. So, I mean, Jack Doyle is now in as the starting tight end. So, injuries are starting to creep up on this ten, uh, Indianapolis Colts team, which is even more of a glaring concern than Derrick Henry being out just for the Titans. So, two and a half points favoring the, the Colts. I really don't think I'm going to take that. At this point, I'm going to say I really like how... Uh, uh, the Titans are playing. I mean, granted, the Colts' defense is quite solid. 
overall. They're nothing spectacular in the form of eliteness, but they do make plays and they do make stops. So this will be a very tight contest, I can see. But I'm really putting my money on Ryan Tannehill this week. I think he's going to get a lot of things done, even without Henry in the lineup, if that is the case. So watch the injury report to see if Henry is going to suit up. It's a big one for fantasy football, of course. Obviously, week 13, we are one week away from the fantasy postseason. Some of us are already involved in early postseason play. So let's move right along. This is the monster game of the week. Not sure why the NFL didn't flex this one to Sunday night football. It is, of course, the San Francisco 49ers taking travel to Baltimore to face the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. This contest, so if you caught the game last Monday night between the Ravens and the Rams, it was a show. It was something to see. Lamar Jackson went absolutely bananas. He was responsible for five touchdown passes. He was incredible unstoppable the Rams defense didn't know what hit him and it could be could be is the word I'm saying I'm so I have went back and forth on this game and as I say could be the same but I really like the 49ers defensive line I if there's any defensive line in this league that could slow him down I don't want to say stop because at this point nobody's proven that they can stop and have a game plan against Lamar Jackson but if there is any club in the NFL built right now at the moment it is the 49ers defensive line I mean you have speed you have athleticism you have toughness you have gap presence I I think you could possibly make a case and I'm gonna try to to suggest that Bosa and company could could make it happen I mean they really need D Ford back I haven't seen any reports to say that Ford is going to suit up for this contest. If he comes back, that is the game changer um, for this defensive line. As for the 49ers offense going up against the Ravens defense, I really would wonder what Jimmy Garoppolo can do. He's he's done enough uh, to show me that he is more than capable of, of running this offense. I mean, again, Emmanuel Sanders is hurting. George Kittle will be the mismatch. And I mean, he him going up against Earl Thomas will be something to watch as well. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, this contest has a lot of variables, a lot of sound, excuse me, a lot of sound matchups on the uh, uh, versus player matchups. It's going to be fantastic. So I think uh, Tevin Coleman and, and the run game is going to have to at least control the clock. Your, your game plan should be to keep the ball out of the hands of Lamar Miller. I think that is is the key for all teams playing this Ravens uh, offense. You need to keep Lamar standing on the sidelines so that he, he doesn't have the opportunity to gash you. But um, I, I truly believe that the Ravens don't have enough talent on the on the receiving core. Uh, you know, Hollywood Brown is is something else. He's got the wheels. But I mean, can he do it consistently enough against the secondary? We'll see. I'm I'm this is something that I really want to witness. I mean, I think the Ravens are sound enough that they could expose the inadequacies in what system that they are going to be throwing at the 49ers. But I think the 49ers defense is good enough that they could actually make the scheme uh, to game plan against Lamar Jackson and keep him in the pocket and, and dare him to throw to beat him. So We'll see. It's going to be a very, very good contest. I think this is going to be the game of the week. Should have been flexed to Sunday night, like I said. So right now the Ravens are favored 
uh, by a touchdown, six-point favorites, playing at home, which is a big one. And, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'll, I'll more than likely take the spread only because of how how great Lamar Jackson has played, how good Mark Ingram has been running. And, I mean, at home, how can you bet against him at home, especially how good they're playing? So, But I, I, I will not uh, sit here and say that the, the upset might not happen because I believe the Niners have a good enough defensive line to at least challenge uh, Lamar Jackson. I think that's the best word to say. So next contest to review the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both clubs are four and seven. This contest has no bearing on uh, playoff NFL playoff uh, standings. These teams will be done uh, eliminated in the next couple weeks here. This game is strictly about fantasy football purposes. So Nick Foles, he could have a decent day today, uh, day on Sunday against this uh, secondary. DJ Chark and DD Westbrook should be able to open up the secondary. Uh, I mean, Carlton Davis, he is the guy. So I, I really assume that he will be locked up on Chark. So Chark's day might get sour uh, before it gets uh, anything, uh, any traction. Um but when it comes to Jameis Winston, he's been actually playing extremely good when it comes to fantasy football. He is obviously a turnover machine. You're going to get at least the one to two interceptions, a fumble possibly. Um, but Chris Godwin and Mike Evans should be able to expose this defense. We haven't heard a lot from Mike Evans in the past three weeks. You kind of got to think it's his turn to see some of the action as Chris Godwin has been lighting up the stat sheet lately. And I mean, for the run game, uh, for Fournette, I really scare me with Fournette against this uh, uh, strong Bucks uh, front seven. He will have a very difficult time running the ball. I mean, a lot of us are going to be forced to play Leonard. Uh, I'm going to be one of them as well, only because he is my best option. And the, the possibility of uh, snagging a goal line touchdown is there if Nick Foles can move the ball in the secondary. But there's a lot of fantasy points that could be gotten in this contest. When it comes to winners, the Bucks are favored by one and a half points. Going to Jacksonville, I may be inclined to take them at this point. I am on the fence for a winner. I, I really I think I will side with the Buccaneers on this one. The Jaguars defense just has been awful and and they can't even get out of their own way at the moment. So so we'll move right along again. The Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles are favored at nine and a half points traveling to Florida. So long travel will be the key. So for 10 points uh, going going from Philly to Miami, I mean, it's it's not a terrible travel. You're still basically on the east. Um, uh, Carson Wentz and company, they really are struggling with injuries. The receiving core, Alshon Jeffrey is is pegged to come back Nelson Aguilar the same Jordan Howard looks to be sitting once again with that shoulder I believe he has um, but the injuries on this offense have been the issue for Carson Wentz I mean you can't you can't cut it any less I mean he's tried his best he hasn't played terrible I mean he he has been missing throws uh, of late but I mean you have to understand that without any solid weapons on this offense how can you move the ball um, Jay Ajayi was signed to this team of no consequence, in my opinion. Miles Sanders will again get the bulk of the work, and then hopefully uh, your your tight ends could muster something. As for the Dolphins, I mean, they're just playing out the string. So this game, I could definitely see the Eagles are definitely going to win this game. There's no question. But to cover a 10-point spread, 
it, it might be close. It might be ruined late, but I really believe in, in the defense of the Eagles when they play a lesser, weaker opponent. I think uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be running for his life uh, with the Eagles front seven. So, I mean, Fletcher Cox is going to be all over the field. So maybe I will. I think I probably will take the 10 points for the Eagles in another game that should be quite lopsided. So next one on the board for review, the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants. So the Packers are traveling to New York. They are a touchdown favorite as well. This is seeming to be one of Vegas's uh, favorite spreads of the week. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers should come out on top in this game. Um, granted, yes, I get it. They're traveling to New York, and they haven't been playing their best football. So the defense has been up and down. They are a bend but don't break. Super uh, pressure uh, defensive scheme. They like to bring the blitz with the Smith brothers. And, I mean, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers in this offense, they have issues being consistent so Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the player he has been in the past I mean at this point of the season Aaron Rodgers doesn't even have 3,000 yards and he's only got 18 touchdown passes this is a failure in all respects to fantasy football when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and where you had to draft him so your return on investment has been falling through the floor this is a game you should be able to see Aaron Rodgers get back on track the New York Giants defense is weak um, they are prone to give up the big plays. I saw that Golden Tate may not suit up for this contest. Evan Ingram, again, looks to be out. Sha uh, Saquon Barkley, he seems uh, like there is something of uninterest in this season left over. Either he's still dealing with that high ankle sprain and it's just not fully healed, or the interest is there not to get re-injured uh, worse with a season that's already lost with the team being 2-9. and nine. So... Do the Packers win this game and cover? I could see it to be a covering spread. Yes, Packers should win this game. Uh, the only fear is you have a letdown from Aaron Rodgers in this offense again. I fully expect Coach LaFleur to adjust his approach and, and ride Aaron Jones, get the run game going like he has been for a lot of this season. And then this is what Aaron Rodgers does. He just he just finishes the game by managing it, scoring the one or two touchdowns. But I could see something of uh, aerial attack come from uh, Green Bay this week because they definitely need to help the confidence and, and get a win. This is a definite tune-up contest for them, and they should be able to uh, put a lot of points on the board. So seven points for the for the Packers. I like it. Fantasy football, I mean, you, you should basically be starting all of uh, – all of your ballers on the, the, the Packers side. For the Giants, I mean, it's hit and miss. This defense does give up yardage, but they, they're not prone to giving up a lot of touchdowns. So next one, moving right along, the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Browns are favored at two-point uh, uh, two favorites, uh, traveling this time to Pittsburgh. These two teams met, I believe it was two weeks ago, where we had Fight Club on Monday night. Miles Garrett ripping off the helmet of uh, Mason Rudolph. And slamming it on his head. Um, so I, bad blood is going to be riddled through this game from start to finish. No question. There's going to be attitude. There's going to be anger and frustration. Um, but as it stands right now, so Mason Rudolph has been sent to the bench. He will not play. I heard James Conner is practicing on a limited basis. And he will draw the question mark coming into Sunday. He is definitely one to watch. 
I am a little bit more skeptical, especially if you're if you're on the fence to enter the fantasy football playoffs because James Conner has the AC joint injury, and this could be another uh, couple hits in the contest, and then he's out again. So he is going to be a definite, definite high-risk uh, player. So something to keep your eye on. He needs to get a full participant practice on Friday uh, for me to trust anything that's coming from him. The Browns desperately need this win. Baker Mayfield and uh, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, they had a game last week. They have been improving since they beat the Buffalo Bills. And, I mean, this is what we expected from this team with such a high-caliber amount of talent and, and ability. So do I believe that the Steelers' defense... So. Uh, let me go back. So I was a believer, I should say, in the Steelers' defense when Minka Fitzpatrick came over. He played that first game. He changed the whole dynamic of how this defense was being played. As of right now, they are, again, underachieving and not playing up to the standards that they were uh, for those few games. I believe it was three games that they played. They were just lights out. And, I mean, this game is a definite statement, again, for the Browns. Baker Mayfield needs to be on point. They're going to get the run game going. I mean, Kareem Hunt and Chubb, I mean, it's a it's a great dynamic to have where you're confusing the off- or the de- opposing defense because even both, both running backs can catch the ball. So when Kareem Hunt's in the game, you can do either or. Same with Nick Chubb. And then now Landry, he's getting into the mix over the middle where you're hitting it over the top with Odell Beckham. So... Do I believe that uh, the Steelers could manage anything spectacular in this game? I just don't see it. I mean, I understand that Juju has cleared concussion protocol, but he's still dealing with that knee injury, so he might not play as well. So if Connor and Juju sit in this contest, definitely not. I'm definitely siding with the Cleveland Browns on this one. Davlin Hodges could be... Enough to at least keep the game somewhat close and respectable, but as for the for the line two point line, I can definitely see uh, uh, the Cleveland Browns taking this one in in what could be a potential bloodbath. You're going to see a lot of penalties in this contest because the refs are definitely going to want to keep uh, it under control. But moving right along, the LA Rams and the Arizona Cardinals match up. In Arizona, so the Rams are hanging on by a thread after getting trounced by the Baltimore Ravens last week. Currently, the line sits at three points. And I mean, I have been a massive supporter of Kyler Murray. You all know this if you listen to the show. I think he just exhumes talent and ability. He is learning every week. The progression is fantastic. But there's a lot of problems on this Arizona Cardinals team. I mean, Kyler Murray will keep you in this game. David Johnson, the lost season of David Johnson will be cast of 2019 because he just, I have no answers to what has happened to him. He's just getting injured. Uh, He has been injured. He looks to have put on weight. He looks slow. Kenyon Drake is your guy. Chase Edmonds is coming back from injury, so he'll rotate in. I mean, DJ pretty much, I don't know, his season is completely lost and shattered. As for the Rams, this offense. So when you're when you're talking about taking the Rams at three points, you're banking on their defense to have a much better showing and a showcase against Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. I really am 
debating this one. I could definitely see the Cardinals upsetting the Rams simply because of how this offense of L.A. has been playing. Jared Goff has been absolutely atrocious. He cannot find his receivers. He's overthrowing the ball. He's turning the ball over. He's getting sacked. Todd Gurley can't seem to get anything going on the ground. He's a north-south guy now. He's not moving lateral whatsoever. I do not like what I see from the L.A. Rams whatsoever. So this game at r- right now, it's going to be, I could see the upset. I don't want to call it yet. I'm going to still debate and do some uh, some research on my, on my uh, point spread piece, but uh, I could definitely see the upset. How about I just go there? I could definitely see the upset. Arizona could win this contest at home. The Rams know that their playoff hopes are basically nearing its conclusion they're gonna have to win out to to make the playoffs at 11 and 5 and even in this division that may not be enough so um and in this wild card race so can i see the upset with a deflated la rams team getting blown out at home versus the ravens i can definitely see the cardinals stealing one here so next contest on the board we have the oakland raiders taking travel to kansas city to face the chiefs this is the type of contest the Chiefs needed. They are favored by 10 points. They desperately need a tune-up. They need a game where they can just open the playbook, let Patrick Mahomes sling the ball all over the field, and hope that you can get everything working and moving in the right direction. Your offense has been sluggish this season. Started very strong. Mahomes went down, obviously, missed a couple games. But, I mean, in even when Mahomes was playing before his knee injury, you could see there was issues uh, mounting uh, to how they were playing. The Kansas City defense, I have zero trust in. I mean, they are opportunistic. Let's not kid ourselves. They like to uh, rush the passer. So Derek Carr will be under duress for most of the game. Definitely could see that. I mean... Um, outside of that, they need those turnovers to make something happen. Derek Carr needs to be sacked. So they're going to, like I said, they're going to bring the pressure in hopes to cause those turnovers. This is what their defense is because they know they're not good enough to stack up man-to-man or playing the zone without any sort of pressure. They will get picked apart, even with a lesser uh, receiving core like the Raiders have. No Hunter Renfro for the Raiders. Derek Carr will be shorthanded in that department. Zay Jones should step up uh, to play a little bit more. Um, He has been a disappointment. Tyrell Williams will be your guy, along with uh, Darren Waller, the tight end. He he could have a very big day as well. Um, Tyron Matthew should be on him, so it could limit his overall productivity. Uh, but I like what I see for fantasy football for Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams. I could see some plays being uh, directed in their direction. Um, Josh Jacobs, I mean, it, barring health, it looks like he's he's playing hurt. Um, you got to feel for the guy. He's been carrying the load a lot for this club. But, I mean, he's going to be your vocal point in this contest for the Raiders to um, uh, make any sort of push. I For 10 points for the, for the Chiefs, it's looking like Tyreek Hill is going to suit up for this game. I want to see it. I think 10 points isn't a isn't a bad spread from Vegas. I think it definitely could happen. It could get ruined late um, it, where uh, the Chiefs could be up by, say, 14 and, and the Raiders score a late touchdown and make it seven. So I, I could definitely see that getting ruined late. But this should be a, a, a huge tune-up contest for for the Chiefs. Oh, the Raiders are simply pretending. They're not They're not a contender at this point. They lost Carl Joseph, like I said, last week. Uh, they lost him a couple weeks ago, and that changed the entire dynamic of how this defense has been run. Um, so Mahomes, he should be a stud on uh, Sunday. 
he will be your leader when it comes to fantasy football. So let's move right along. The L.A. Chargers taking travel to the mile high to face the Denver Broncos. Again, here we go. Another another contest where it's uh, both teams are basically out of the postseason. Uh, the Chargers will try. I mean, they're four and seven. If they can string together uh, uh, some victories here, maybe by chance uh, they'll they'll finish the year at five and seven and sneak in with the wild card. But uh, AFC wild card is not as competitive. In terms of high-end victories, most teams are five and six, if not six and five, with Buffalo holding it at nine and three now with their victory today. Um, so when it comes to this contest, obviously the Denver Broncos showed that their defense still can play; they can keep up with most teams. And Philip Rivers and this Chargers offense just has been uh, underperforming. I mean, Melvin Gordon looks a lot better than he did at the early parts of the season. If he would have uh, come in for training camp, I think you would have seen a much, much better uh, Melvin Gordon to start. Austin Eckler, obviously, the the tandem together, they're both playing very well right now. Phillip Rivers is your problem. He's turning the ball over. He's forcing the issue once again. He's throwing interceptions. He's he's missing his receivers, and he's putting this team in, in bad spots, especially with a defensive unit that really, again, was decimated by injuries itself. So, Derwin James is poised to come back. I'm not sure. I I, I read that he was uh, practicing. I'm not sure if he's going to suit up for this game. If he does, I mean, that's a massive upgrade to the defense. Keenan Allen will be obviously shadowed by Chris Harris, so he could have another letdown day. And, I mean, when it comes to the spread, what can I say? I mean, the Chargers are favored by three points. I could see it. I mean, it sounds like I'm taking a lot of the spreads, but I mean, I could definitely see it even in even in Denver uh, in the mile high. They're still rolling with Brandon Allen. I mean, he hasn't been horrible uh, except for last week. He got completely shut down, but I can see it. I mean, Brandon Allen hasn't played horrible. I mean, let's not let's not say lies here. Let's let's tell fact and truth. He hasn't been horrible. He's been keeping the Broncos offense in these games. Uh, using Cortland Sutton as, as his uh, number one receiver. So we could see that again come to fruition this week. But, I mean, I can see this This could be a toss-up. It could be a definite upset. Uh, the Broncos could win this contest being at home, and, and the Chargers are just uh, in free fall waiting for the season to end. Uh, nothing outside of fantasy football for that contest. So moving to the final game on Sunday, the Sunday night football contest, the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. Both teams... At this point, I think this game is is extremely important for uh, the Texans more than it is the Patriots. So the Patriots still have a two-game lead on the Bills in their division. So even if they drop this contest, they're still in good shape. They still face the Bills later on to, to close out the deal. But I mean, the Houston Texans, I want to discuss them first. Again, with a team that looked so... Proficient and and the ability was looking to be extremely high octane uh, in that very first contest with the New Orleans Saints. They just haven't been able to work it consistently. The run game obviously has been a problem. They can't get it established to set up their own play action. Deshaun Watson is your guy. He he was fantastic last week. I mean, even in a sluggish performance, he was able to make and generate those big plays to get the yards down the field to beat the Colts in a massive important divisional game. Um, now facing the Patriots and Tom Brady. I mean, the, the, the problem is going to be what does Deshaun Watson do versus this elite unit 
on on defense for the Patriots. I mean, they're shutting everybody down. The the matchup of the day is obviously going to be uh, Stephon Gilmore versus DeAndre Hopkins. I will be very interested to see how that matchup turns out. And I mean, <clears throat> Deshaun Watson is going to have to play his best against this defense. But then on the flip side, you have the Patriots taking travel out of Foxborough. Tom Brady has not looked his best form. Uh, the offense has definitely been struggling. Again, injuries are the issue the next man up. So Mohamed Sanu, we're still unsure if he's going to play in this contest. James White and the run game are, and so, Sony Michelle, they are going to have to lead the charge because uh, Tom Brady just, he does not look the same anymore. He is looking more washed as the days go by. And I mean, could this be the final season for Tom Brady? It's very possible, but um, in this contest, I, I could see the the Texans making a problem for uh, for New England and Tom Brady offensively again until until Tom Brady proves again that they can move the ball uh, consistently and effectively. I mean, we have to be naysayers on their uh, decline. We have to be. It, it, it's it's moving in that in that direction. So. A very uh, interesting contest, to say the least. Houston does have home field advantage. The Patriots are still listed as three-point favorites. I may be inclined to take Houston in this contest. I mean, I never like betting against the Patriots, but, I mean, they're ba- they're due to lose uh, a-, a game. I think if the if the Texans lose, it's going to be their own head coach, uh, Bill O'Brien, who was who going to cost them. So um, this is going to be the, a very interesting one. The defense should be able to lock down uh, for most of the game, but perhaps Deshaun Watson can, again, uh, elevate his level of play to produce enough of those five or six uh, big play opportunities to, to cash in for points. So I'm still undecided. I'm going to sit on the fence for this one uh, until I do more review, um, but I, I, I really could see the Houston Texans uh, pulling the upset on this one. Going to Monday Night Football, we have another dandy, the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Seattle and the 12th man to face the Seahawks. Russell Wilson versus Kirk Cousins, two teams that are vying for that wild card spot. Vikings are sitting at 8-3. and three. The Seattle Seahawks are at 9-2. and two. Russell Wilson has been a machine this season. MVP. No question about it. He has been lights out on fire carrying this Seahawks club. You have Chris Carson, and now you have Rashad Penny, who broke out last week to provide uh, more punch to this run game to maybe have a split tandem unit, which could move the ball effectively. The Vikings are coming off the bye, which I do like. They do play fairly good at, at on the road. I've been a huge supporter of Kirk Cousins and this Minnesota offense. I think they're going to get back to basics. They're going to go back to Dalvin Cook. Last game, they kind of went away from it. It was shut down quite a bit. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be, again, your primary. Uh, You're going to see Kirk Cousins be that game manager, look for the opportunity. He won't throw the ball uh, more than 20 times if he doesn't have to. And, I mean, that's been the staple of it. But when it comes to this Minnesota Vikings defense versus the Russell Wilson in this offense, we could see literally a back and forth shootout in this game simply because both defenses can and are prone to give up points and, and yards. So um, Xavier Rhodes on, on Minnesota, he's been a, a largely a disappointment in my eyes. He was on that elite level status for defensive backs. Uh, even going into early last year, he was still on that, on that fringe. Um, but his play has definitely taken a, a backseat. 
um, this season. He's been he's been burnt quite a bit. So we could possibly see uh, Tyler Lockett being the guy. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Josh Gordon gets a little bit more involved in this one. Uh, no word yet on Jadavian Clowney. He, if he misses again, that's a huge advantage for uh, the Vikings and this run game. Um, there's going to be a massive hole on that side of the field. I don't know. I really like this contest. I could see the Vikings walking into Seattle and winning this, uh, winning this game. Hawks are favored by three points. Vegas has this right on point three, three points. I mean, I, I would I would still give give the favor obviously to the home team, but this will be a very tight contest. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, uh, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen is uh, possible to come back. He has practiced today on a limited basis. Um, if if he does play, will he be more of a decoy? And then Stefan Diggs is your guy. I could see that happening, but this will be a very tight contest. I'm very excited to watch it. I think it's going to be extremely entertaining between two of the top teams in the NFC. I could still see if Minnesota could tighten up their defense. I could see Minnesota making a strong push to be a contender for the Super Bowl. So, I am very excited at three points. Um, I, I almost want to say this could come down to being a one-point contest, so I'm going to go under to even the saying that Minnesota could win this game. Um, but that is a stretch, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll still do some debating on this on this contest. But I, I don't like the I don't like the spread. Whoever wins, I think it's going to be by a one or two point uh, uh, victory uh, margin of victory. So. On that note, that is week 13 for the for the games that are coming on the docket. We will be returning to our regular scheduled uh, recap shows next week, uh, barring any unforeseen scheduling changes. However, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Gearing up for fantasy football playoffs. This is the last week of the fantasy football regular season. Get those lineups set. We will have our point spread article and our fantasy football start sit lists posted friday and saturday so stay tuned for those so on that note you can find me on twitter at chris underscore adf1 you can find the show on twitter at adf underground and again thank you for tuning in we always appreciate you appreciate the support good luck this week to get that postseason bid in fantasy football and until next week stay humble stay peaceful take care of each other i'm out